Welcome to the Farmers I Know podcast. I'm Carolyn Hershon. This is the show dedicated to people growing food to nourish their community. Happy Native American Heritage Month. This is a special episode all about Indigenous Peoples Day. On October 11th, 2021, the first federally recognized Indigenous Peoples Day, I went to Freedom Plaza to join Indigenous people and allies from across the country and march to the White House to demand climate justice. To help me tell the story of this day, the actions that followed during the week, and about how this is all connected to the themes we talk about in this podcast, I spoke with a friend I know from graduate school that was in D.C. that week. Uh, my name is Keisha Lawrence, Keisha DeFries Lawrence, or Talking Waters. Um, I'm Rampo Lenape Muncie Minisink Deer Clan, so New York and New Jersey. And I am here to protect all things water. Amazing. Thank you. We sat on a bench near the White House, and we discussed what's going on, what the plans are for the week, and what the goal of these actions were. Yeah, so in particular, um, Indigenous people from all across Turtle Island, as well as some of our allies and accomplices, are in D.C. right now to protest and demand action from Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Deb Holland, um, the Department of the Interior in total, and Homeland Security for the treaty violations and the atrocities, the ecocide and genocide occurring on Indigenous land via pipelines, meaning Pipeline 3, Pipeline 5, even in Canada, um, as well as just all treaty rights that are being violated throughout this country. So um, we're hoping that and really planning for that all of our actions throughout this week to bring about environmental justice and sovereignty for Indigenous peoples. Could you tell us a little bit more about Line 3? Yes, Line 3 in particular is a uh, pipeline that is going to be or is in the process of trying to get tar sands oil from the earth um, and bring it to the surface so that way um, it can be ultimately sold and shipped to China. Enbridge is the company organizing Line 3 and Enbridge is a company um, operated and owned by ExxonMobil. It's a Canadian based company at that. So this pipeline goes from Alberta, Canada into Wisconsin. Um, about 342 miles of this pipeline, however, cuts directly through Anishinaabe territory and treaty territory. Um, and it's important to note that not only is this pipeline just going through the ground, but it's cutting through some of the last um, natural fresh waters at the head of the Mississippi, um, the only wild rice fields that are left in Minnesota. And on top of that, there is a existing pipeline that's already there that this company refuses to clean and fix and instead is creating a whole new pipeline and leaving um, the elderly one there. That's terrible. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how food sovereignty is tied into these pipelines? Yeah, I think food sovereignty in a lot of ways is at the crux of this fight for ending these pipelines because yes, land and water are a necessity for human survival, for the survival of the planet, but also for agricultural survival. And by destroying wild rice fields, wild rice that's protected under the Food and Agricultural Organization and under UNESCO, as well as national documents, um, by having a pipeline that's directly cutting through the only natural beds where this wild rice is growing, that is directly destroying a natural food system, um, an ancestral food system for a whole subset of people. And um, on top of that lack of sovereignty and that lack of access, that lack of nutrition, that lack of natural health, um, we're seeing a lack of 
respect for the environment in total that directly impacts indigenous peoples in the sense of our hunting lands. Um, hunting is not the same that it's always been. You can't, first of all, there's no bison to hunt, mm -hmm. um, but there's other species and birds that are not migrating the same that we would have hunted, as well as um, the treaty rights go directly into that though, right? Because if you don't have access to these spaces that our ancestors have told us, that's where you go to hunt, this is where you go to find medicine, then that then means you're not able to sufficiently live off of the land, which is how we've always traditionally lived. The United States reservation system has not accounted for um, truly living off the land, and that was the whole point. So people are being starved out from the environment, um, from the environment as the inside and the outside just being all of um, a colonial system, essentially. But I think food sovereignty goes a little bit deeper for indigenous people because we also are viewing our food systems now being impacted directly by Monsanto and big corporate entities. Mm -hmm. We're not eating um, our foods the way we would. I mean, we're talking about a system of, well, we're gonna travel in the summer, so what we're eating is lighter versus in the winter, we're eating heavier meats. That's not happening. Instead, it's kind of a free-for-all because we have things accessible to us even though they're not in a season they should be growing or they're not in a season um, so that's played a huge role. And we're also seeing indigenous to indigenous meaning to the people, but also to the continent, species of plants and organisms completely going extinct. So we're losing food sovereignty for Mother Earth, not just us as individuals. Her food sovereignty is completely destroyed too. Wow. Thank you so much. That is such a good overview of the intersection, not only with food security, with water, with land, but also like spirituality, nature and how those are all tied together. So that's really amazing. Um, so I know that today the action at the White House isn't the end for the actions for this week. So what else is going on this week and what would success look like um, to you? That's a great question. So first and foremost, for Indigenous Peoples Day, it's the first time this is federally recognized. So we're sitting outside of the White House on Indigenous Peoples Day and um, we're witnessing already like a police presence merely for us celebrating the first federally recognized Indigenous Peoples Day holiday. Um, so the rest of this week that has kind of set the tone for us now. Um, but the rest of this week we're hoping to hear from our youth. We're hoping um, that ideally a representative would come out and speak to us. I mean it would be phenomenal, you know, if, if somebody on behalf of the U.S. government would honor water protectors by listening to their testimony, creating a proclamation for the water, um, and a new treaty. Nothing is stopping any of these political people, these political organizations, bodies of the government, from writing a new treaty that directly protects water and the people who protect it. When we got back from our interview, the cops had shown up. Eventually, the cops began arresting people. These types of actions continued throughout the week. And Keisha kept me updated on what was happening while Indigenous leaders occupied the Department of Indian Affairs on Thursday. In total, there's about 55, maybe 60 people on the inside right now occupying the BIA. 
I mean, this is literally the first time since the 1970s that the BIA or the DOI have been taken over by indigenous leaders. And of course, it's because of line three. I mean, if the Army Corps isn't going to make a decision or the, or the president as the executive branch, the, our next best option is the entity that was built to protect us. And that's why we're taking it over right now. The people participating in these actions are demanding more ambitious climate action and to put a stop to expanding fossil fuel projects. But for many indigenous people, it goes further than that. And the only hope of building trust means establishing a new treaty. The goal is to be heard for future generations, which only means um, a new treaty can actually do that. It only means that honoring the fact that Indian country is a country within a, a country is the only way that um, respect will fully be earned. And I love what you said earlier about how you're always thinking in seven generations yeah. and how important that is. One way in linear thinking doesn't work for a round planet. Wow. <laughs> so we need <laughs> so true. <laughs> we can't think in one way anymore. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Indigenous people are and have always been the environment's fiercest advocates. This week, the Conference of Parties, or COP26, in Glasgow is underway. And what I would love to see more of is Indigenous leaders at the forefront of these dialogues. Thank you so much for listening.